Right, morning everybody. Um, okay, over the last couple of weeks, aside from last week where we focused on the baptism, um, we've been looking at the book of Galatians. And basically to sum it up in a couple of lines, um, we see that Paul is really writing to the Galatians to deal with the problem of circumcision and the Jewish legalism that they had towards the, the Gentile believers. They were relying on their old ways, relying on the law before the coming of Jesus Christ. And Paul reminds them that, that salvation is only through faith and trust in Jesus alone and that we cannot be redeemed through keeping the laws. Paul then takes it one step further and um, he says that, not, that we don't only get salvation through faith and trust in Jesus Christ, but we actually become children of God. In verse 26 we are told, all of you are children of God through this faithfulness in Jesus. At this point, the scripture really started to get my attention because I sat there thinking, how many of us actually really believe that we are children of God? How real is it for, for you? How real is it for me? And has it really sunk in that we are God's children? Or is it really just an expression that we Christians use? This morning, I just want to start off by sharing something that I've personally not seen myself, but Apparently, if you go to places like Scotland, where they've got lots and lots of sheep, um, you might see little lambs with an extra fleece tied onto its back. And what's probably happened here is that this little lamb has actually lost its mother. Its mother has died. And without the help of, of outsider intervention, this little lamb is rejected by the rest of the flock um, because it's unrecognizable. It, it doesn't have the scent um, you know, that, that, that its mother recognizes it, and therefore it's, it's part of the, the, the whole flock. Um, and so therefore it's, it's like butted away and chased away. But if one of the ewes has lost a lamb, the shepherd then takes that dead lamb and skins it and makes a fleece out of it and then puts it onto that little orphaned lamb. And the ewe then smells the, the, the fleece of the lamb that has died and accepts that orphan as her own. In a similar way, we have become acceptable to God because we are clothed in Christ. That's justification. When God justifies us, we are clothed in the righteousness of Jesus Christ, and we become acceptable to him. But salvation is one step more than that. We are accepted, but God actually then takes the steps and makes us his own. We are adopted into his family. We become his children, his sons and his daughters. One of the key passages um, in this wonderful doctrine of adoption is Galatians 4, verses 4 to 5. And it says, But when the fullness of the time had come, God sent forth his son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those under the law, that we might receive the adoption as sons. We see that we've been adopted and made God's children and therefore his heirs. In the Old Testament, the, the concept of legal adoption was not prescribed in Jewish law and was not really um, practiced by the Israelites. Um, the term adoption, although they didn't do it, they, they understood the concept. Um, it was not lost to, to Israel. Because we can see in the Old Testament, God declares that he is the father of the nation of Israel, whom he loves as his child. He also tells Pharaoh in Exodus 4.22, Israel is my firstborn son. And more specifically, he says to David, you are my son. Today I have become your father. So they understood the concept but didn't practice it. 
The New Testament, however, the, the cultural environment is very different. And there are elaborate laws and ceremonies that go along in both Greek and Roman society when a child is adopted. And when Paul wrote his letters to the Ephesians and the Romans and the Galatians, they were familiar with this concept um, of adoption. The Greek word for adoption is hierothesia, I think. And it means to place as a son. Um, and that's, that's the word that Paul uses in his letters. Adoption was a really great honor and a huge privilege in the time of early Christianity. It was something very specific under the law. Um, and a child received the name and the citizenship of the person who was adopting them. There was a huge big naming ceremony where the paterfamilia, who was the head of the family, he would actually renew the child's identity. He would go to the, the rest of the entire family and introduce this child, and then the rest of the family would all acknowledge this person um, and confirm that he was the, um, who he was. The adopted son also had the rights and privileges as any natural-born son. Um, he would inherit the father's property just as any of the others would. Also, in Roman culture, when a child was adopted, all of their debts that were associated with the previous family were done away with. They were lifted. And this is one point that I really, really love. Once a child had been adopted, they could never legally be sold or changed over into another family. They belonged to that family forever. On the flip side of the coin, the father that was doing the adopting was granted full rights and responsibilities as a father. He had full authority over that child and he had the full responsibility of caring for, the, for them. So it worked both ways. We can see that the process, really, of adoption, though, is the act of leaving one's family, natural family, and moving into the rights and privileges um, that are associated with another. Christian believers are adopted as sons. And I want us to note the language here. We are adopted as sons, not as, as sons and daughters, but we are adopted as sons. And we need to be very careful here to understand why Scripture has used this. Um, there's a huge big drive at the moment, well, I don't know if it's at the moment, but anyway, to make everything very like gender neutral and do away with all the masculine and feminine references within the Bible. It's politically correct, yes, but it's not biblically correct. The wording is clearly masculine. We're not merely adopted as children and not as sons and daughters, but we are adopted as sons. And it's important to remember that when Paul is writing these letters, he's writing to people that are living under the Roman law, within the Roman Empire. And so, so they are familiar with, with these, these laws. And the rights that are given to a daughter being adopted versus the rights that are given to a son being adopted are very different. The girls lost out big time in this deal. We, so, yeah, okay. Um, but before I lose all the ladies in the congregation, I just want to go back a couple of verses to Galatians 3.28, where Paul says, There is no longer Jew nor Greek. There is no longer slave or free. There is no longer male or female. You are all one in the Messiah Jesus. These classifications of male and female, they all fall away. It's, it's irrelevant in our status in Christ. I love the saying where it says, The ground is even at the foot of the cross. There's no one is above the other. And it doesn't matter who you are or what you are. You could be the, the, the beggar who's digging in the dustbin. If you are a child of Christ versus our archdeacon, 
they, or archbishop or whatever, they're right next to each other at the foot of the cross. Okay? It doesn't matter. You're entitled to the same full package. Adoption is also a legal term used in Scripture. In Galatians 4 and 5, back to that same verse I used, um, but when the fullness of time had come, God sent forth his son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those who were under the law, that the law, sorry, to redeem those who were under the law, that we might receive the adoption as sons. So how does God go about adopting us? It's clear in that passage that it's through Jesus that we are redeemed under the law, that we are adopted as sons, through Jesus Christ. On the cross, Jesus did one, it was one action, but it, there were two consequences to that action. Firstly, we were, we, we were redeemed. We were bought out of the, the, the slave market of sin, and then we were put into a new family. We became part of another family. So two actions for one, sorry, two consequences for one action. We can see here that salvation is so much more than just the forgiveness of sins. It's, it's so much more than just being delivered from condemnation. We are granted a position of great, great blessing. I think that a lot of us, though, live ignorantly beneath this privilege and beneath this blessing. There's a lovely saying, I, I love all these sayings, if you know whose you are, then you know who you are. Do we all know whose we are. So let's stop being ignorant. What is our inheritance? Hang on. Bring. Okay, so under Roman law, if you're adopted as a son, you have the right to his property. Just the same way, we have the right to our father's property. And what is it? It's all the riches that are in Jesus Christ. So what does that entail? Firstly, we receive a new forgiveness. The adopted child's debts were lifted in Roman law. The same way that God, he removes all of our debts and makes us free from sin. It's such a turnabout because we were literally, we on our way to hell. We were lost and there was nobody there to save us. We can't save ourselves. But what's so amazing is that God, the Holy Trinity, had this rescue plan right from the very, very beginning. Because God knew that we were going to come short. He knew that we couldn't make this on our own. And that's why he sent Jesus. If we remember Jesus in the garden just before he was arrested, he was pleading with God. He was saying, God, please take this cup away from me. And how does he finish off? He says, not my will, but yours be done. I will do this because I know, Father, that this is your great plan to rescue my brothers and sisters. So God, the righteous judge, not the horrible, cruel, unfair judge. He judges us, and he pronounces his sentence against us according to his perfect law. And we therefore wait to literally be cast into hell. But then, according to God's great, wonderful rescue plan, God's only son comes. And in one transaction, he causes the judge who has just condemned us to not only then declare us guilty, uh, not guilty, sorry, not guilty, but he then causes that same judge in one legal transaction to adopt us as his own children. That's indescribable grace. And John says it best. Behold what manner of love the Father has bestowed on us, that we should call him, the, sorry, that we should be called the sons of God. Let that sink in. God, our judge, is now God, our loving Father. 
We have a loving Father. And Scripture tells us that because we are adopted, we are able to get so much closer to God. We are able to approach Him. Jesus intercedes on our behalf. He's seated at the right hand of the Father, we're told in Scripture. And we come before God so unworthy, and we just, we just shouldn't really be there. And Jesus just holds out His hands, and God sees where the nails went through. And in that instance, we are justified, and we are sanctified, and we are able to say, Abba, Father. The writers of he, in, to, he, to the Hebrews tells us, Let us come boldly to the throne of grace, that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in times of need. God wants us to come to him. He wants to care for us. And just as the Roman father received rights through the adoption process, God has the right. He also has rights. He has, he has the right of full authority over us. He has the full responsibility of caring for us. And I found that actually quite a big weight being lifted off my shoulders because it's God's responsibility to look after all of us. And as with any adoption, we become part of a new family. We have a new heavenly father, and we enter into a, a, a new relationship with God the Son. Yes, he is our savior, but he's also now become our brother. The writers of Hebrews say, both the one who makes the people holy, the one who makes the people holy, and those who are made holy are of the same family. So Jesus is not ashamed to call us his brothers and sisters. So we have a, 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 um, a new family. We also then receive a, a new identity. Um, because God has given us Jesus and the Holy Spirit, he gives us a new identity that is free from the sin and the power that sin has over us. We have his name. In Ephesians 3, Paul tells us that the entire family of God, those that are dead already, those that are currently here on, on uh, the earth, as well as all of those that are still to come, we all have the name of Christ. And that is our family name. We are Christians. Another benefit is that we receive this new citizenship. Um, we take on, just as in Roman times, we take on the citizenship of our Heavenly Father. So, so we no longer have a citizenship here of this world that is going to die and perish. Our citizenship is in heaven. And we are, it's, it's a wonderful right to this heavenly citizenship that we have. And it's a responsibility of all of us to live as citizens of heaven while we are on this earth. We've got to live as citizens of on heaven. As we've got to live as citizens of heaven while we are here on earth. So we've, we we help, we almost call to a bit of a higher standard there. So it could pose a bit of a problem for many of us, but we'll give it a good bash anyway. Um, we also have a new security. Um, as children of God, we have the security that we are going to belong forever. We are not going to be changed or sold off or moved into a different family. Our adoption is eternally secure. John 1.12 tells us, to all, to all who did receive him, to those who believe in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. We have the right to be called God's children. In the book of Isaiah, chapter 43, God, God says, no one can deliver out of my hand. No one can take us away. It continues, 
When I act, who can reverse it? God's asking a rhetorical question, but no one can and will reverse it. We can't lose our adoption. He's not going to come there and say, you are not behaving very well, so I'm going to tear up your adoption papers and that's it, you're out on the street. Um, scripture tells us what God has done will never be reversed. He doesn't make mistakes. Just like the father of the prodigal son, um, despite the fact that he strayed away, he still remained the son of the father. And just the same way that father still accepted him back into, into their household. That is our inheritance. Paul challenges the Galatians as well as all of us. But now that you know God, or rather are known by God, how is it that you are turning back to these weak and miserable forces? Why are so many of us living beneath this privilege of our inheritance? God has given us so many wonderful gifts, and yet we still, lived, we still choose to live as we were before we had Christ in our lives, and not as we actually are. We are in the present. We are the adopted children of God. We are the adopted sons of God. And if God is the king of kings, then that makes all of us kings and queens and princes and princesses. And we are heirs to this mighty kingdom. We live with the privilege of this inheritance. You've got to know whose you are. And when you know whose you are, you will know that you are a member of a mighty, mighty royal family. Thank you.